I want to. Jesus. Just that name. Jesus. Sends hope into the emptiness of despair. Strength into the weak heart. Jesus. Just that name. Strengthens slumped shoulders and fills hearts with courage. Jesus. To you and me, this name means power and majesty, redemption and resurrection. But it wasn't always so. Does it surprise you as much as it does me that God selected a man named Paul to be the apostle to the Gentiles, but he chose a Peter to be the apostle to the Jews? It is so like God to mix things up this way. Recently, I had to ask myself, why does God do things so unorthodox? Why does he show up in ways we wouldn't imagine he would? Why package himself and his goodness in unlikely wrapping paper like fishermen and carpenters? Paul was eloquent, poised, a teacher, educated by the very best. From the right family, from the right place. Peter, however, was rough, unpolished, uneducated, a fisherman by trade, dirt under his nails, clothes that probably needed mending. Paul was everything the leaders of society would approve of and would want to be associated with. He met every item on their quality assurance checklist. Peter didn't check a single item. He was more of an embarrassment to them, a put-off. His presence was an irritant to their cultured persona. And still, God chooses Peter to speak for him to the Jews, and he chooses Paul to speak for him to the Gentiles. I think part of the reason is that Peter, he chose Peter, is so that they would not be charmed by the words or the brilliance of Paul. And Paul to the Gentiles? The man whose entire life and training is steeped in the Jewish religion. It wouldn't have been an easy task for Paul, a Jew, to speak to the cultural elites of the world in his day. Those were the Romans and the Greeks. They had been the seat of philosophy and education for centuries. Paul was revered in Jerusalem, but not in Rome or Athens. Peter preaching to thousands was like fingernails on chalkboards to the Jewish religious leaders. Why does God package himself and his goodness and good news in such off-putting wraps? Jesus was more like Peter in that he didn't fit the profile that the religious leaders or cultural elite would want, much less accept. Jesus was not of noteworthy birth. Everything about him was a put-off to these elites. His hometown, his parentage, his occupation, his uneducated life, nothing about Jesus met their checklists, especially the checklist of the religious. He just didn't have any of the characteristics they wanted to be associated with. Wrong class, wrong family, wrong town, wrong career, wrong everything. Nothing about his profile made them curious to seek him out. Quite the contrary. It enraged them. So they looked for ways to entrap him and to silence him. They were furious that he had the audacity to interfere with their people. They assumed that it was the unlearned, the lower class, that sought him out and followed him because they were equally 
uncultured. The few elites who did find themselves drawn to and transformed by Jesus, they weren't drawn by his eloquence or presentation of person or by his life profile. You know what they were drawn by? They were drawn by his heart, his unmistakable love and compassion. They had watched him. They watched him as he went about doing good. Now, it's no secret that goodness wasn't something that was common behavior or in full supply in the legalistic scribes and Pharisees, because there's no room in the law for mercy or compassion. Hey, it's written in stone for a reason. According to their own protege, Paul, it is an, quote, ministry of death and condemnation. Here's my translation of that. It condemns always, and it kills. It kills hope, kills compassion and faith. Left unchecked, it destroys everything good. Compassion and kindness are contrary to the law. Goodness and mercy are not hallmarks of the law, or it's legalist. And yet, you know what? They are the very hallmarks of Jesus. Goodness and mercy are the fingerprint that confirms that Jesus has been on sight. In Jesus, goodness and mercy are in full supply. It's because compassion motivates, inspires, and triggers his goodness. There's an example of this compassion, this goodness and mercy, that typified Jesus and the story of a leper in Matthew 8, 2, Mark 1, 40, and Luke 5, 12. He has had this disease for years. He has been isolated from family and friends and community for years because of it. He hasn't been touched since the day it was discovered. The law doesn't permit him to be part of society. His body has the marks of his disease, whether that includes a missing ear, a partial nose, or numbed fingers and toes. We aren't told here, but we know it has marked and marred him because of what he says in this story. He has heard about Jesus, not firsthand, but the word has found its way to him, even though no one is whispering gossip in this man's ears. And today he hears that Jesus might be coming nearby, maybe passing his way. He cannot stand with the crowds up close. The law doesn't allow that, but he still has a voice. He still has just enough hope to shout out across the distance. He is sitting by the road waiting for Jesus to come by. And as the crowds begin to stir, he shouts out a curious, even odd cry for help as Jesus passes by. This man, this leper, shouts out, Jesus, I know that if you want to, you can make me clean. You can make me no longer have leprosy and remove any mark or any sign of the disease. Now, I translated his cry for help based on the translation of words used in all three of these Gospels. This cry, this question, stops Jesus in his tracks. Who said that? He would have moved through the crowds, gathered closer to him to find this one that has been shoved aside by society because of his disease. Jesus heard his voice above the shouts of the healthy and the whole. He heard this man because it's what he listens for. 
The answer Jesus gives this leper tells us everything we need to know about the fingerprint that Jesus leaves behind and the fingerprint that Jesus would offer you and I. His answer to the leper's cry, Jesus, I know if you want to, you can cleanse me of this leprosy. And Jesus' answer to him is, I want to. Oh my word. That simple answer, that definitive peek into this heart of compassion and this vessel of goodness, I want to. I want to. Well, I want to is the very same as saying, I want you without a mark or sign of this disease. That's what the word cleanse means. I want to. The truth is Jesus could also be equally saying to this man, I don't want to leave you maimed, sick, distressed, ill, infirmed, marked by your disease. I do not want you marred by disease. I do want you unblemished. Cleansed to a leper is that the disease is arrested or stopped in his body, but it also includes removing any sign of that disease remaining, no sign or mark like a nose that's been eaten away or an ear that's half gone. Jesus does not want this man left with the marks or sign of his awful disease. His healing means the disease has been stopped in its tracks, but his cleansing puts back everything that was destroyed and removes what has marred him and makes this recipient of the healing unmarked by his disease. Jesus' answer to this man's question of cleansing with, I want to remove the disease and any mark that it was ever there. Oh, my Jesus. Oh, my Jesus. That name, Jesus. This leper didn't ask for the disease to be stopped. No, 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 no. He asked to be cleansed. Could I ask you, when was the last time you asked Jesus to make you no longer marked? Maybe by bad decisions of your finances, bad decisions regarding your health, your relationships, your dreams. I wonder when was the last time you asked Jesus? I know if you want to, you can make my body unmarked and unmarred by you fill in that blank. Not just the absence of disease, but everything back in its right state. Well, in the answer of Jesus to this leper, Jesus also tells us everything we need to know about what he wants. Yeah, this is about you and me too. In this answer, Jesus also answers the question of, if it be your will, God, if you want to, God, Please bring my son back to you. If it be your will, God, please heal my body. If it be your will, if you want to, God, please sort out my finances. Oh, fellow God chaser, fellow believer, Jesus' answer is I want to. It is clear. It is simple. I want to. It's what I want, he says. 
He answers, I want to, because wholeness, unmarred restoration, no sign remaining, is my will. It is my want to, Jesus says. I say to you today, when was the last time you asked God to make you unblemished from your past? Not just fix the current acute problem you may still struggle with, but restore to an unblemished state what's been broken. When have you asked him to restore what has been marred? Now, we aren't told what this man was missing or if parts of his body were broken. Lepers many times had no feeling, no nose, no ears, but we are told that Jesus answered the question of, if it be your will, if you want to, he answered that question. He answered it with, I want to. I want to cleanse. I want to restore. I want to remove every mark, every sign that this ever bothered you. Today I have to remind you that God is not a respecter of persons. So if Jesus wants this man to be unmarred, unblemished by his disease, he wants every man to be unmarred and unblemished. Dear one, hopeless, defeated, fearful, uncertain, wavering, feeling a little unsteady on your feet, I want to say that to you again today. I need to remind you, God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't look at any man's face and be moved one way or the other by it. He doesn't judge a man by how, how eloquent he is or how poor he is or how wealthy he is or how distinguished he is or how educated he is or whether he has dirt under his fingernails or whether his hair is a little bit too tousled. He doesn't respect any man's person. So when Jesus said to this man in response to the cry, I know if you want to, you can make me whole. You can cleanse me. Stop what's troubling me and restore me. When Jesus answered that question for this man, he answered that question for every man. When we ask God to right the wrongs in our life, and I want you to just remember the wrongs in your life are as unique as you are. They look as unique as you. They're not like mine. They're not like your neighbors. They're probably not even like your siblings. I want you to remember that when we ask God to right the wrongs in our life, how many times when we ask God to fix the diseases of body or spirit, soul, finances, relationships, how many times do we say out loud or think quietly to ourselves, I wonder if he wants to. I ask for help, but I wonder if he wants it from me. Oh, I say to you today, stop it. Stop asking God the if you want to question. Because Jesus already answered it for every man when he answered it for this man. He wants to. He is not a respecter of persons. I want to. I want to. Jesus, that name that reassures us that he who bore our grief and carried our sorrows is more than able to keep us and present us blameless and whole. Never ask God that question again. He already answered it. I want to.
Let the strength, hope, quiet rest, peace, and confidence that this name, his name, Jesus, ensures. Let it fill your heart and steady your steps. Don't look for God to wrap your answer in familiar, acceptable packaging. He might, or more often might not, do what you think. He will show up. Look for his fingerprints. No matter what you face today, he was already here in today before you got here. Chin up, believer. Believing is our nature. It's what we do. Jesus. Just that name. Jesus. Jesus.